Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Into a dying world. Friend, it is not an easy thing, but I will tell you it's full of joy and it's full of peace. And the greatest thing is you get free from you, right? Listen, there, there is nothing wrong with wanting to be loved, with wanting to be honored, as long as it's within scriptural context, as long as, as, long as the contextual um, reason for that is valid according to scripture. But can I tell you something? When you get to a place to where you prefer others above yourself, and to where Jesus is preferred above everything, you really get free. Listen, we've got a whole generation that is addicted to selfies, and maybe that's old, I don't even know. They're addicted to selfies, they're addicted to, and again, media has its place, we use it, it reaches people. I think it can be very powerful, but we've got an entire TikTok, Snapchat generation that is so desperate to be recognized. Friend, Jesus didn't call us to be recognized. He called us to die to self so that he would be seen through our lives and through our brokenness. And I believe that, that God wants to, rest. listen, these, this, is not a, this is an ancient theme. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way, if you're gonna be my disciple, Let's get that perfect photo for charisma <laughs> and for TBN or for whatever you want, God TV. And I know some of these folks and some of them are very good people. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but no. He said, if you're gonna be my disciple, it comes through picking up your cross. What does a cross represent? Death, brokenness, meekness, humility. Friend, this is the, the native heir of the kingdom of God. We want revival in our nation. We want revival in our city, in our state. It comes through individuals that are willing to humble themselves and say, my life for you. Let me share this with you. Now, I shared this, I think, the first time I was here last May um, when I taught at the school. I talked about um, disturbing prayer, the Romans 8 dynamic. Isn't it interesting in Romans 8? That Paul doesn't say, listen, you're gonna become such a mighty intercessor and such a mighty prayer warrior that God's gonna pray revelation and all this stuff through you. No, he said, listen, you're gonna get to a place where you don't even know what to say. 
and groanings which cannot even be uttered with human language will begin to come out of you as the Holy Spirit reveals the heart of the Father and you're just a yielded, broken, humble vessel being used of God. That's the kingdom of heaven, friend. That's what brings a move of God. That's what transforms families and cities and nations. It's that level of of brokenness, that refining, that purifying. Look at Philippians chapter two. I had a bunch of notes. We'll try to get to some of them. Philippians chapter two. Philippians two, verse one. The apostle Paul is inviting us to do what? To imitate Christ or Jesus's humility. Wow, what an invitation. And I have to ask, do we know who he is this morning? And I know you do. When he was there in creation, he's the king of kings. He's the God of the universe. But look at what Paul says about Christ Jesus. Therefore, if you have any encouragement, I'm reading NIV right now. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, or we could say brokenness, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, he was God the Son, part of the Trinity, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And what's what's Paul saying? Listen, friend, you've heard that he could have called a legion of angels. He could have called a thousand angels on the cross. He could have. He was God. He was... Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, he was man, 100% man. That had to happen for the incarnation to and the, um, the restoration of humanity back to the creator. I understand all that theology, but he was also 100% God. And he said, listen, he did not take that as an advantage to resist or to get out of suffering, humility, to be stripped naked and hung on a cross before that people group that day. The shame, the, I mean, the, the holiness of his character and his nature to go through what he went through and to hang there broken, humbled, and bloodied for humanity. He could have said, stop it all. But as the son of man and the son of God, He humbled himself. He became not just abased, but radically abased. Listen, the Roman cross was the most barbaric form of torture in the first century Byzantine era. The Roman empire would use that as a form of torture and death for the worst of the worst. And here he is. He said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. When you want to talk about humility, you want to talk about a man 
that was also God. But this young, passionate Jewish man at the age of 33, laying his life down, Paul went on to say this. He said he did not consider, he did not consider it wrong or he did not consider it out of the ordinary to to humble himself, even though in nature he was God. He said, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Friend, that's the, um, that's the picture of brokenness this morning. If our Savior was broken, then how much more should we cry, Lord, break me? Listen, some of you that are controlled by anger and lust and pride and self-promotion, and I understand, friend, you're set free only through being broken by the Savior this morning. Listen, I, I, I've spent years, I've pastored four churches. I was the pastoral care director and the dean of students at the Browns Revival School of Ministry when we had well over a thousand students. I've done marriage counseling. I've done pornography counseling. I, you, you name it, friend. I mean, every, there, there was a time in Brownsville where literally four days a week, five to seven appointments a day of people that needed help and needed freedom and needed deliverance. Let me tell you what I would always do. I'd always bring them to the brokenness of the cross. Listen, you can't fight some of these battles in your own strength, but if you're willing to die with Christ, he will resurrect you in his power. He will give you authority over sin, over temptation, over pride and arrogance, over self-promotion. He'll, he'll cause you to be a son, but a son that is willing to experience the same thing that the father and the son of God experienced where there's nothing in you that thinks you have to be treated a special or a certain way because of who you are in the kingdom. But we realize at the end of the day, friend, there's, listen, there's no big shots in the kingdom. They're really, it's kind of crazy. And I mean, I'm like this country boy from Crawfordville, Florida. I mean, I was deer hunting in Georgia two weeks ago. I like fishing. I mean, I, I grew up in the woods and on the rivers and, and somehow, and I'm, I'm not that I'm anything, but somehow, God has allowed me to go to 38 nations of the world and to be in amazing moves of God. But at the end of the day, when I look in the mirror, when I'm brushing my teeth before I go to bed, it's like, you ain't really jack squatting yourself. <laughs> You're just Keith from Crawfordville. <laughs> Even the name, I saw Crawfordville, Georgia on I-20, Crawfordville. Do you understand what I was, there's no big shots, friend. It doesn't, and God uses people mightily. Billy Graham was a, a dairy farmer's son. They got up in the mornings and milked dairy cows and God sent him to the nations. At the same time, he's still just a dairy farmer's son. You understand what I'm saying? Matter of fact, the longer I serve Jesus, the more I realize that only he is worthy to be glorified. And through brokenness and through humility, 
the Lord brings us into this place where we gotta have him. <laughs> you know what? I think the most beautiful thing about knowing Jesus is it illuminates the fact that we're nothing in and of ourselves. Paul said it this way, I am what I am by the grace of God. You see, throughout history, I, I, I'm writing my fourth book right now. Maybe some of you have my other books, but I'm writing my fourth book. And um, I've been really looking into the lives of men and women who gave themselves to the secret place. We, we all know the name Billy Graham and Dwight Moody and Charles Spurgeon and Amy Carmichael. And, and these are amazing people, Charles Finney and John Wesley and Steve Hill and all these great men and women of God. And I love their lives. And many of them had depths in prayer and intimacy, but I found that some of the greatest forces on the earth were people that their names were only known in two places, heaven and hell. They never stood on a nice platform like this, but they stood on the platform of heaven. And as we sang this morning, they brought heaven down to earth through being tethered to the heart of God. And when they prayed, they prayed with the breath of eternity, but there was a level of death that they experienced through the revelation of the beauty and the holiness of Jesus that became again their native heir. And it brought them to the place to where they realized, I've not prayed enough, we gotta go farther. I've not worshiped enough, we've gotta go further. I've not reached out enough, we've gotta go further. You see, I don't know about you, but I am needy. And I'll even say that I'm greedy this morning needy and greedy for more of the presence of Jesus in my life. I don't ever wanna to get to a place to where I'm there. I've wrote books, I've preached for Brian Gary, man, I've made it. <laughs> I don't say that in a mocking way at all. I'm honest to God, I'm very honored to be here and I know Brian's life and the way God's raised him up. But listen to my friend, I, I hadn't made anything. The only thing that I wanna make is my appointment to spend time with Jesus. And out of that, heaven comes and lives are transformed and the glory of the Lord is revealed in a generation. I just wanna share just a few more thoughts and we're gonna, we're gonna bring this to an end. You see, there is something that um, that is unconscious about humility. If, if humility was a, a thing of consciousness, then it really wouldn't be humility, right? Unconscious humility, what does that mean? In other words, you can't be in the presence of God and not be humble. I, I, I question these people that just go in and out of heaven all the time, and I'm not saying that can't, but, but these people that are just so promoting. Listen, for any time I've really been in the presence of God, it's kind of like the, um, it's kind of like falling like a dead man like John did on the Isle of Patmos when he saw Jesus in his glory, right? And I know there are heavenly experiences and there are deep places in the Lord, but listen to me, you cannot behold him and not be shattered. Matter of fact, I believe what, what kept Paul grounded, because imagine what Paul was seeing, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the sons and daughters that he raised up. The, I mean, he peppered the Mediterranean sea basin with churches, powerful man of God. 
But the thing that kept him grounded was the constant revelation of the beauty and the holiness of Jesus. The fact, and he, he speaks of the love of Christ towards him kept him desiring more. He said, I've still not yet apprehended, but I keep pressing. What was he pressing? Not for a bigger ministry, for he was pressing for deeper depths in Jesus. Why? Because that's what brings us to brokenness. That's what brings us to humility. So, so brokenness is vital this morning. Listen, I, I wish, I'll tell you what I wish I could do. I wish I could say, okay, everybody, come on up here. We're going to make like four lines and let's get some catchers. I'm going to impart brokenness to every one of you. Be broken, be broken, be broken, be broken. And I, I really wish I could do that. Doesn't work that way. There's some things that are not taught even by right theology. Some things have to be caught by intimacy alone. Listen, I, I can write books about prayer but if I'm not a man of prayer, I might have good theology, but I'm a hypocrite before the Lord and before my family, right? So I, 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 I can't come in here and say, okay, guys, this is brokenness 101. Next week, we're gonna do brokenness 102. What I can do is what I have to do myself. I have to get in the presence of the glory and the holiness of Jesus. And it's through that place that we get free of ourselves and we really get to know him. You see, it's the, the private shatterings that bring us to ultimate brokenness. It's the hospital room where they're telling you your grandson might not make it through the surgery. And you're watching your 35-year-old daughter just weep and her husband, my son-in-law. It's in there that the glory of Jesus is still abiding in our midst. It's sometimes when our faith and our theology and facts don't line up for a season. It's there that we learn that he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That as David said, even if I make my bed in hell, God, you're still there with me. And you can ask Caesar, we've made our bed in hell a couple times in certain parts of the world. I mean, it looked like hell. You understand? But God was there. Walked into a village with witch doctors on both sides of the mountain, screaming at us and chanting at us and cursing us. But the glory of the Lord was our mainstay. You understand what I'm saying, friend? He's real. This is not just my Sunday gig. This is not, listen, I, I, as you can probably tell, not every church wants me. And that's fine as long as he loves me. Amen. And you see, I, I, I'm just convinced that God has such a body of believers in this generation that are so lovesick for him, that out of our love for him, purity, obedience, faithfulness will come forth. And the brokenness that we ascribe to has nothing to do with how many Bible verses we can quote, even though that's good to be able to do. It has nothing to do with who our pastor is or who our guest speaker is this morning. The brokenness that we ascribe to has everything to do with the level of intimacy that we ascribe to with Jesus. And out of that reservoir that never, ever, ever runs dry, we are fueled with a passion that the world and the devil never gave us and they can't take it away. 
And whatever that means, wherever that takes us, even if we suffer persecution, as Paul told Timothy, you will, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, suffer persecution. All they can do ultimately is kill us anyway. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord this morning. You see, brokenness sets you free from the temporal things of this world. The beggarly elements of our life and our culture that, that grab a hold of so many of us, brokenness illuminates eternity to us. And the things of this world grow strangely dim, as the, as the old song says, in the light of his glory and grace. We understand what Paul said when he said, set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Brokenness positions us. To, let me put it this way, to safely carry the glory in a generation. And listen, there, there's, I'm not gonna say anything as far as a name, but we continue to see train wrecks in the church among anointed, powerful leaders. He to stand, take heed, lest he fall. I'm telling you, I'm, I walk with a limp this morning. By the grace of God, he's kept me. I've had a part in it, but he's kept me. But listen to me. We've seen enough of that. Somebody's got to live this and love this and believe this. A generation depends on us to be real and authentic and genuine. And to carry the glory, we have to experience incessant brokenness. If not, we're just not safe. Listen, let, let's just real quick, and I'm closing. Matter of fact, if the worship team could come back and just play behind me. Um, look at the natural in the entertainment world. How many great, gifted entertainers do we know? That their lives are snuffed out at such an early age, whether it's the great Elvis Presley, whoever. In other words, and here's what I believe. Men are not made to be idolized and worshiped. And when they are, it messes with their emotions and their psyche. And it, it, it causes them to enter a place of unhealthy performance and, and to, to, to keep up with that. They, they oftentimes go to drugs or alcohol or um, you know, promiscuous sexual, whatever, just trying to, but listen, the reality is none of us are made to be worshiped. Even preachers, when they're so idolized, friend, we set them up to fall. We bleed the same. We sweat the same. You understand? Friend, it's all about Jesus this morning. When he walks into the room, everything changes. When he walks into your heart, everything changes. He, he's faithful to bring us to the end of ourselves. I mean, we could stand on a platform like this, but you know what I'll do tomorrow when I get home? Well, tonight I'll go back to the hospital to be with my grandson and my daughter, but tomorrow I'll get up and I'll take my German shepherd and my little dachshund out to poop and pee. Great man of God on the platform here on Sunday morning. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, none of us are any different. I gotta mow the grass again this spring. I gotta clean out the flower beds. I make the bed one morning, Darla makes it the next morning. Great man of God here. My point is this, friend. 
It's only Jesus that's worthy. And when that revelation hits you the way it should, and He brings you to the end of yourself, and you get set free from you. You can walk in brokenness. You can walk in humility. You can understand the words of Paul when he said in Philippians 3, 10 through 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. How many of you wanna know the power? Man, I love that. But he also said, and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection of the, you see, our conception of the willingness of Jesus to be broken completely for us has everything to do with our willingness to ascribe to his brokenness. See, if he suffered, should not his disciples have to suffer? And I'm not talking about masochism, and I'm, I'm talking about separation from this world, the gospel, especially in this generation, in a woke cancel culture. Friend, it's the gospel that's gonna bring some suffering. But how many of you know, even through that, there's joy this morning. I want you to stand with me to your feet, if you would. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The joy. <laughs> Of brokenness. This might not be a shout message, but I believe it's an important theme that we see throughout the Word of God. Joseph did not just become second in line to Potiphar immediately. He went to the pit, to the prison, and then to the palace. It's the pit. He, the destiny was there. Even as a young man, he's having dreams of his brothers bowing, all this kind of stuff, right? It's interesting because it said that um, Jacob kind of kept these things. Another, it, 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 there's different translations the way it's worded. But in other words, when Jacob heard these things, there's some wording in there that kind of makes it realize he recognized there was something different about Joseph, different than Reuben, Judah, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, different than even Benjamin, whom he loved a lot. But, but th th there was something different about Joseph. However, for Joseph to be qualified to carry that authority and that glory, God in his grace put him in the pit. Can I tell you something? There's a verse in the Bible that says those that suffer according to the will of God. And what are you saying? Listen, this might really mess your theology up. I preach a whole message on the joy of suffering. And I, I promise you, there is very deep connection between suffering and carrying the glory throughout the Word of God. I don't care if it's Moses put in the wilderness for 40 years before he can lead the people of Israel out. If it's the barrenness of women's wombs that brought forth the nation of Israel. They were barren and suffered. Friend, on and on and on and on and on. My point is this, life is a vapor, according to the apostle James. It's here for a while. It's a mist and poof, it's just gone. All that really matters is what we do for the glory of Jesus and the kingdom of heaven and if our, listen, if our brothers and sisters in the church in Iran and Yemen, Sudan, I've got dear friends that have been beat and bloodied for the gospel more than once. 
If they are suffering and we can say, where is, listen friend, God allows certain things. I'm not saying he makes it happen, but through their sufferings, sometimes the greatest moves of God are brought forth through that level of brokenness. I know this is not popular American church teaching, but friend, do we really want Jesus? Do we really wanna see a generation changed? There's a joy in brokenness. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.